Kia ora and welcome to my daily podcast that goes out with an email newsletter to paying subscribers for the kaka, which is a substack. I tend to focus on geopolitics, the global economy and the political economy in Aotearoa with a view to what it all means for housing affordability, climate change and child poverty. The big news in the last day, of course, has been the collapse of Liz Truss's British government. She resigned earlier this morning uh, after several weeks, in fact she lasted 45 days in total, of chaos, economic and political chaos, after she launched a budget, a mini-budget, on September the 23rd that included 65 billion pounds of tax cuts for mostly rich uh, British taxpayers and also 160 billion pounds worth of subsidies for power companies and fossil fuel companies. She also planned to restart and expand fracking in Britain to increase gas supplies her uh, approach generally was of a tax-cutting supply cider, harking back to the days of Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher, with the idea that simply growing the economy would make everyone better off. The tax cuts, for example, would have meant the top 1,000 taxpayers in Britain would have received on average £18 million each in uh, tax rebates in effect. And it was clear this was not a distributionally neutral tax policy. Uh, in fact, it was also a policy that wasn't funded. So it would have effectively meant the British government borrowed money to pay for these tax cuts and these subsidies for energy companies. And in effect, uh, it would have been borrowed money that was created by the Bank of England. Almost immediately, the reaction from financial markets was gruesome. And not just because it was unfunded. You've got to remember now that there's now $35 trillion worth of pension funds, investors globally, who adhere to a sustainability framework. That means uh, they adhere to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and also the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. That means that they look at investments through the lens of what does this mean for poverty, for the environment, for the sustainability of not just the finances, but uh, the society of the government and the company in which it's a part of. And uh, that meant that um, plenty of people were unhappy with the British government's plans for unfunded tax cuts, but they also didn't love Liz Truss's plans to effectively uh, dial back or row back on plans for climate change. I think it's worth focusing on because the national opposition here in Aotearoa have uh, talked remarkably similarly about tax cuts and is increasingly making similar noises about climate. For example, the first policy Christopher Luxon proposed when leader uh, was a series of tax cuts, removing the new 39 cent 
uh, tax level and uh, various changes in thresholds, which would deliver uh, tens of thousands of dollars worth of tax cuts to those on the highest incomes, and uh, was certainly not distributionally neutral. Also, we've heard comments regularly from uh, spokesmen for the National Party on farming, climate and transport, which essentially argue that the shift towards uh, trying to get people out of cars and onto bikes and cycling is the wrong approach, that um, uh, train lines and uh, many, many more busways are not the right approach and that more motorways need to be built. Sometimes actually the rhetoric we're hearing from the National Party on uh, climate, uh, public transport, appears to see the issue more as an opportunity for culture war uh, um, skirmishes rather than to seriously address climate change. And we've seen that with the uh, decision by Luxon to say he would uh, repeal uh, the um, uh, mixed gas uh, levy uh, being proposed by the government um, and described it as a, a tax on farmers. This is uh, potentially troublesome for Christopher Luxon, not purely from a, a political point of view. Uh, obviously the National Party is ahead of Labour in the polls at the moment, although interestingly Luxon's own personal popularity has plateaued a uh, bit below where Jacinda Ardern's has. And National has not um, forged on uh, from around February or March and has again plateaued. The broader problem though is that the opposition tends, has, has appeared not to have understood the change in financial orthodoxy that has happened over the last 10 to 20 years. And harks back to a fairly unreconstructed Reagan-Thatcher era version of economic reform being along the lines of all we need is tax cuts and a smaller government and we'll all get richer, which the reforms of the last 30 years, the tax cuts of the last 30 years, often by governments captured by those looking for tax cuts for corporates and for those on highest, the highest incomes, has not led to uh, better economic growth for all. In fact, it's just destabilised the economy and society. It's led to a widening in a, of inequality and a reduction in productivity. As those people at the lower ends of the economic spectrum struggle with um, health and other social issues, which means they simply aren't as productive as you'd need in a modern economy. And um, this is a weakness, I think, for a centre-right politician who wants to uh, propose or at least be seen as up-to-date with the latest orthodoxy and um, uh, in tune with the likes of the IMF, the OECD and the World Bank, all of whom have produced research from the last 30 years showing that that Reagan-Thatcher era approach to economic policy reform actually doesn't work. We've seen in the last 24 hours, it not only doesn't work for one of the world's largest economies, it has effectively created the shortest prime ministerial reign of any British prime minister in history, aside from uh, illness and health, and 
Liz Truss's actual operation of government, remember some of it was uh, blocked because of the death of the Queen, was less than the time it takes for a lettuce to dry up. As The Economist, another arbiter of economic orthodoxy, pointed out last week. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was the Dawn Chorus that goes out with my email newsletter, the Kaka. Kaki Tano.